You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown on Wednesday of week three. The Ohio State Buckeyes getting ready for the Toledo Rockets this week, and we're going to get you ready with a look behind enemy lines, tell you what to expect when Toledo comes to Columbus on Saturday. I'm Brendan Gulick, and we've got a special guest with us here this afternoon. I guess it's this morning. Uh, yeah, it is this morning. So Ryan Cavanaugh, who is uh, a terrific college football analyst for ESPN and a very close friend, had the uh, Toledo LIU game to open the season. So we figured what better way to get an insight on Toledo than somebody who not only saw them play in person, but had a chance to talk with their coaching staff and get to know some of their guys as he got ready for week one. Ryan, thanks for spending some time with us, man. How are you? I'm great. Great, Brendan. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Let's uh, let's just kind of start off the top with the most obvious question. This is a, a fun time in college football because the Sun Belt looked really good last weekend. They've had their moment in the sun, right? Marshall beats Notre Dame. App State not only almost beat North Carolina the week before, but they pull off a really wild victory at Texas A&M. Um, you know, at a smaller level, a MAC team got upset by an FCS team last week in seven overtimes. Eastern Kentucky beat Bowling Green, so it, it's it's on the forefront of everybody's mind right now that any team can win on any given day. I, I don't know that I really truly believe Toledo is going to beat the Buckeyes, but they're a pretty quality team. What did you see from Toledo? Just 10,000 foot view first on, on why you think this is a quality team. Yeah. So one, one thing, Brendan, is um, I don't know that they're the best team in the Mac, but they might be one of the teams that's built to be able to pull off the unthinkable. Um, and, and I say that because of the line play. One thing I often say about football, college football is high school, whatever level is you can, you know, offenses are continually evolving and you could go four wide receivers, five, you can go empty, all these different wrinkles, RPO, um, new advancements in offense. And then the defense has to match it in this chess game we call football. But the reality is offensive and defensive lines, whoever wins there is going to win the football game. Whoever wins in the trenches usually is going to win the football game unless you have some outrageous number of turnovers and penalties. Um, so that is the one consistent. And I think that a Toledo, a, their line play, defensive, offensive, believe it or not, I think they have the horses that they can push Ohio State a little bit. And, and that was the interesting thing last week when the Buckeyes played Arkansas State. And I said all week long, I really liked their skill position players and that if they got the ball in space, that they were dangerous enough to make some plays. Uh, we saw Champ Fleming's last week, this tiny little slot receiver, Man, they got him the ball everywhere they could. He was slippery. He was tough to tackle, and and he played with some real, you know, pizzazz. 
Uh, he was fun to watch. I don't know that I necessarily feel the same way about Toledo skill position guys. I think they're good. But to your point, the offensive and defensive lines, if that's their strength, that's where Arkansas State struggled last week. They couldn't move the ball at all between the tackles, and they generated basically no realistic pass rush on C.J. Stroud. So so you think that there's a chance C.J. could maybe be under a little bit of pressure or that the Buckeyes might have to you know, uh, work a little harder to try to move the line of scrimmage when they're on defense. I, I do. And in fact, you know, one of the strengths of Toledo uh, of their entire team is their defensive front, their front four, throw in their linebackers. Now in Mac play, uh, Vince Karras's defense here at Toledo, they can get home on the quarterback by only rushing four. Um, you've got Jamal Hines hand in the ground coming off the edge he was a first team all Mac last year. He's one of the best pass rushers in the Mac. And then inside, you have Judge Culpepper, who's a defensive tackle transfer from Penn State, um, and Deswan Johnson, who he'll be wearing number one. They'll line him up over the center. Frankly, LIU, we're not talking the same level of competition as Ohio State. We're not. Let's not make any mistakes about that. However, their center could not block Deswan Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 280, 290 pounds. And he could not block him. Um, and Johnson is, he's one of these guys that, you know, I, I asked Coach Karras from Toledo, who is most excited on your defense to hit somebody? Because it was week one. Who's most excited to hit somebody that he's not going back in the locker room with after practice? Uh, and he's like, well, we've got a lot of candidates, but Deswan Johnson is chomping at the bit. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm telling you, Brendan, he played like he was ready to hit somebody that was heading back to Long Island, not headed staying in Toledo? Uh, that's a great question. I love that. You know, you mentioned Coach Karras. Why don't we talk a, about the coaching staff for a moment? You know, Ryan Day was pretty complimentary of Toledo's coaching staff uh, during his press conference yesterday. Uh, and they're, you know, largely a, a, a pretty well-accomplished group of coaches at smaller levels. Now, they have some coaches that are, you know, major college experience along the way. Um, but a lot of guys that that are from Division Three Mount Union or that coached at uh, Division Three schools and kind of earned their opportunities in Division One because of their success. So you know, from an X's and O's perspective, and working with kids that maybe aren't D one talent, that they know how to coach. And and look, Toledo's been a competitive team. Um, Jason Candle's been there now for a little bit. Ryan Day said he's gotten to know him pretty well and has an awful lot of respect for what they're doing there. What is it about their coaching staff or their style that stood out to you? Well, one big thing in the changing landscape that is college football with the transfer portal and basically, you know, let's just let's switch teams whenever and however many times we want. One thing that's really important to to lean on, I think Candle, Jason Candle's in his seventh year at Toledo, but these guys have deep roots without with throughout the Buckeye State. And what that means is they have, uh, again, that relationship with Ryan Day. And I'm, I, I know you, we're going to talk Dallas Gantt at some point this morning. Um, <laughs> but when you think about guys, you know, Culpepper coming from Penn State, um, Micah, or Penny Boone coming from Maryland, you've, you're getting a lot of transfers coming in. And even recruits, big time recruits. I mean, Toledo's known to get some four stars. And a big reason for that is those roots – um, I always say, Brendan, you look, let's just put all the cards on the table. We're the blue streaks, okay? We're both John Carroll blue streaks, you and I. And I say the John Carroll blue streaks do a terrific job of filling 
the front office and the coaching staffs in the NFL. We're all over. We're well, well represented in the NFL. And Mount Union does something similar in the college and high school ranks. And I'm not saying they don't have NFL guys because they do. But when Jason Candle wants to go get a four-star, he can do it because there's so many coaches like Mike Elder um, over at Avon where he can go and get some of those guys. So one thing that stands out to me um, is the relationships because college football now more than ever is a relationship business. Uh, so you have that. And then on top of it, the X's and O's, Vince Karras, you know, not unfamiliar with another John Carroll guy, Josh McDaniels, who's on the head coach of the Raiders. And I played with it, John Carroll. Josh grew up with the football in his crib because his father, Tom McDaniels, is one of the legendary coaches in Ohio. He coached Maurice Claret uh, in high school, as well as Kent McKinley. A lot of guys there. Mike Doss is another Buckeye he coached. And for Vince Karras, his father, Larry, is what started the Mount Union College football machine. Sure. So, all Candle played for him, all these guys. And, and then as you go up the ranks with Matt Campbell, uh, Yursich, there's so many Mount Union people. So these guys know their X's and O's, despite the fact that I hated it when we played against them. <laughs> you know what? I normally wouldn't do this. And, and if you're listening to the podcast uh, after the fact, uh, you'll have to go back and check it out right around the nine-minute mark of us going live here. But I'm going to show you something that maybe people will miss in the background here. I've got uh, one thing in particular. That, that reminds people that I am a John Carroll grad. Kind of hides up there, but this is a London Fletcher bobblehead who sits at the top of the uh, sits at the top of the shelf behind me. Big uh, big Blue Streak guy deep in my heart, and I also do appreciate Baldwin Wallace. I know their 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 arrival, but that's okay. I've I've uh, I've really enjoyed working with them uh, off and on here for the last several years. Uh, the OAC is good football, man. It's it's really really cool in the state of Ohio, and it's fun to see guys that that are working for schools there that go succeed and keep pushing their careers forward. It's not a surprise that a lot of the schools there have turned out some really good guys. Um, that was fun. I didn't know we we're going to have a little John Carroll moment. I'm good with that. Uh, but let's get, back, uh, get back to the Buckeyes here. Cause I know that's why people are, uh, are tuned in. Um, look, Dallas Gant, let's just go that direction first because I think Ohio state fans know that, Hey, this is, this is the guy that used to be on our defense. Should we worry at all that some way, somehow he's, teaching the, the Rockets things about, you know, our team that we don't want them to know. First of all, the, the Buckeye coaching staff's obviously well aware of that, uh, and they're going to figure out ways to change calls and things so that that's not a, a huge problem. Um, but to Dallas Gant's credit, Ryan, he's off to a really good start so far. Yeah, well, so there's a couple things you have to uh, – we start with with Dallas Gant. He's from Toledo, as you probably and your Buckeye fans know. He's from Toledo. So this was a bit of a homecoming when he came back to play for the Rockets. Um, first game against LIU, Dan Bolden, Dan Bolden and Dallas Gant were on the depth chart, you know, 1A and 1B at middle linebacker. And Bolden is, of course, from Coleraine down in Cincinnati, one of the – there's like 10 Boldens that dominate defenses across college and high school football. And on the second play of the game or third play, there was a big stop defensively and Dan Bolden jumped up to celebrate and he came down and something happened to his knee. I'm not going to speculate, but he never came back to the game. And as I look at the defensive stats through week two, I didn't see Toledo play UMass, but I don't think he recorded a stat there either. So Dallas Gant went very quickly from, man, we've got a five-star blue chip Ohio State recruit. Let's see how he can assimilate into our defense to, hey, you are now the centerpiece of our defense. <laughs> and, and, and he's responded. 
He's got 20 total tackles. The next highest tackler on the Rockets team is the aforementioned Jamal Hines from the defensive end spot. He has 13. But Dallas Gantt, you know, his potential, his inability, I don't want to say inability, but not being able to crack the lineup at Ohio State was really something surprising to me, having followed him in high school, knowing his frame, his size, six foot three, 235. He runs so well. Um, and to his credit, the coaches have said, Jason Candle said his transition to Toledo has been very smooth. Uh, he had zero sense of entitlement, very humble man, put his head down and went to work. And one, one thing that I'm hearing week in and week out, Brendan, which is interesting, is when you have these guys from Ohio State, um, big time programs, and they're transferring down maybe a level to the MAC. What the coaches are, are acknowledging and appreciative of is that these guys, Dallas Gantt specifically, is coming in and doing things the right way. Ohio State has taught them this is how you act as a professional. This is big time. If we want to be the best, we're going to do everything right from film to how you get dressed to how you play on the football field. And when Dallas Gantt comes to Toledo, he's bringing that expertise. So whether or not he's game planning and the uh, you know the offensive coaches have brought in Dallas Gantt to break down defensive film, I don't know. But you mentioned the coaches knowing Ryan Day and the respect, the mutual respect between the programs. Um, listen, as soon as as soon as you answer questions for Ryan Day, as soon as you find the answers, he changes the questions. So I'm not <laughs> concerned. I'm not concerned about Dallas Gantt being a, a real X factor there, but he will be an impact player on the field. Sure. You know, one of the things when you kind of run through there too deep that that stands out to me, anyways. Um, you know, I've had a, a chance, you know, over the last few years to see a lot of these kids play high school football in the state of Ohio when we've covered games on uh, on Spectrum. Um, and they've got kids that come from typically really good schools. I mean, they, they are, they're often getting some of the top end players from really good programs. Archbishop Hoban produced Nate Bauer, their starting safety. He was high school teammates with Ohio state linebacker and transfer chip train Um, Nate Bauer was a really, really good player for an Archbishop Hoban team that won several state championships. Devin Maddox, one of their better wide receivers, a kid from St. Edward High School uh, out on the west side of Cleveland. St. Ed's has arguably had the best team in the state of Ohio, and certainly at Division I the last couple of years. Uh, some kids from Avon and Cincinnati. Uh, their starting right guard, Nick Rossi, is from Olentangy Liberty High School here in the Columbus area. Um, so I, I guess I say all that to, to point out that They've obviously got a program right now that's clicking to the point that their coaching staff has some uh, authority, some some you know recognition when they are walking into some of these better high schools. People aren't saying, "Ah, Toledo's recruiting me." It's, "Oh, hey, Coach Candles here, or, or Coach Karras is here, and and um, I want to hear what they have to say because they're building something really solid in in Northwest Ohio." Yeah, they really are, and and. Again, going back to that, a lot of those names you just mentioned, you know, those are players. Vinny Scurry, their left guard, went to Maslin Perry. The head coach at Maslin Perry for Vinny Scurry is a guy named Keith Wakefield. I think we did one of their games, Brendan, at some point. And Keith Wakefield, when Jason Candle was the offensive coordinator at Mount Union, Keith Wakefield was his offensive line coach. And then Wakefield goes back to Perry and then, uh, you know, uh, Candle goes to Toledo and guess what? He's going to get his best lineman 
And Scurry is a guy who potentially could have gone to a higher level. So that's helping him. One other thing is we're going to talk about recruiting. I know that maybe there's not going to be a universal acknowledgement that this city knows how to play football. But Jason Candle, the close proximity to Detroit, he's done a terrific job recruiting that area. Cass Tech, where um, Mike Weber went to. And then uh, Martin Luther King, where their quarterback, Daquan Finn, so that Detroit has proven to be a very, very uh, fertile recruiting ground for the Toledo Rockets. And uh, I was going to say, sp- spoken like a true Detroit guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, look, I can share a lead. I'm kind of like Toledo, Brendan. You know, I love the, I love the Buckeye State and I love the uh, the mitten up there, the, the Detroit area and the, and the the Motor City. So. Ryan uh, Ryan was a college quarterback at John Carroll, and he's now a, a really, really good football analyst for ESPN cover, uh, coverage of college football. You can see him uh, often throughout the course of the fall. Ryan, our guest here this morning on Buckeye Breakdown. Um, why don't we go to quarterback for a second? Because I guess my, my first thought is, okay, Arkansas State last week moved the ball at times okay. You know, they, they never scored a touchdown. The Buckeye defense um, – Jim Knowles acknowledged yesterday in his press conference that he hates the idea of bend but don't break. Um, he, he said he really doesn't want his defense to be described like that because he views it as his job to get off the field as quickly as possible. It's it's just don't bend and don't break. Uh, <laughs> but they've been good enough to you know to be effective here through these first couple of games. When you see Toledo's offense and what they're putting out there, I know you talked about this. You know the strength you think might be their offensive line. Where do you think they could exploit exploit the Buckeyes? Where where could they have some success? Well, let's go all three layers of the offense real quick, skill position wise. Um, and by the way, that offensive line—they've had injuries, they've had people. So, when this is the first time these five are playing together, but they each have a significant starting experience. It's like Nick Rossi, who you mentioned from Olentangy Liberty, missed last year due to. Uh, an injury, but he started every game before that. So if those guys getting together and gelling, they're only going to get better. Um, but at the quarterback position, Daquan Finn last year threw for um, 18 touchdowns and only two interceptions. And one of those interceptions was a tip ball. Uh, he started seven games last year, and now they feel real good about him kind of having the keys to the Corvette and being the unquestioned leader of this offense. Um, he is a dual threat player, and I, you know, I, I'm actually shying away from using that anymore because it seems like every co- coach is going to tell you his his quarterback's a dual threat, and you're like, yeah, I mean, I technically I am too because I can <laughs> run, but I'm not running away from anybody, you know. Um, so, but he, I think Daquan Finn is, you know, he's last year he had the numbers to prove it 505 yards on the ground and nine touchdowns and through seven games i think that's impressive now when you go to the running backs they lost bryant kobach who is on the practice squad with the vikings and they're using a uh running back by committee to replace him because kobach is was one of the leading rushers in the history of toledo football so we mentioned penny boone transfer from maryland he's not gonna He's not, there's not going to be a lot of shake and bake out there, Brendan, but he's going to try and run you over. Um, and he's, he's, I guess he's the lead back. He's got 19 carries, but Jacquez Stewart, who is a faster back, Micah Kelly, who can catch out of the backfield and Willie Shaw, who Jason Candle called a wild card. He's just had a tremendous camp and he's battled injuries. 
uh, rolled his ankle. But um, Willie Shaw is a guy who you might see as an impact player because you can't, you know, you're not going to beat, you're not going to beat Ohio State with grinders. Like you mentioned at Arkansas State, the guy you want to see get the ball in space and do, you're going to need some chunk plays and some dynamic scoring plays, I think, to beat Ohio State because the war of attrition is going to be won by the bigger, stronger guys. Over the course of the game, Ohio State should wear down Toledo and just about everybody else on their schedule until you get into the playoffs. That's how Ohio State's built and that's the brand of football they play. Um so mixing up the running backs and, and changing the look, I think will be beneficial for Toledo. And then finally, at the wide receiver position, you mentioned uh, Devin Maddox from St. Ed's. He can take the top off the defense. He's, you know, as Jason Candle called him, he's a guy who can score from 99 yards out, and you don't have a lot of those on the football field. Um, he has the speed and the athleticism and the receiving ability to hang with Ohio State. Um he hasn't, he didn't play in the Long Island game. He only recorded one catch for 11 yards last week. Of course, that was a touchdown, but he had an injury and he's working his way back. I don't know what percent Devin Maddox is going to be, but in his, uh, in his stead, Demir Blakumsi has 13 catches far and away the leader of the Toledo Rocket defense. He's a bigger receiver. I don't know that he's one of those take the top off the defense kind of guy. So, when you add those factors together offensively, Brendan, I think Toledo is going to have to have more of a slow paced, grind it out, take what the defense gives you and hope we, you know, they have to hope they can come out of there with a lower scoring game because that's their best path to victory. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I I think it's interesting that the line this week, uh, at least as of right now on Wednesday morning, the line is 32. And I wonder how much of that is a reflection of what people betting on the game think of Toledo versus the 44 point line or 44 and a half that we, we saw last week against Arkansas state. Um, you know, I, I, I think you're onto something with the formula to beat the Buckeyes is probably, Hey, look, we gotta, we gotta make this game kind of a slow, just operation, right? You know, if, if, if you're Toledo, you're coming into the shoe, you're taking your time as best you can when the clock is running, that's a good thing. Um, especially if you can, you know, pick up a few first downs along the way, three and outs are going to hurt, but you play the field position game the best you can. Uh, and, and look, what happened 11 years ago has no bearing whatsoever on what's going to happen on Saturday, but, 
you know, I, I'm sure as they're looking for any sort of mental edge, Toledo played great when they came to Columbus in 2011. In fact, they had the lead until late third quarter, and the game ended up being a five-point game. The Buckeyes won, but, you know, I'm sure they're going to say, hey, look, it was, a, it was a while ago, but we hung with these guys. So, you know, why can't we do that again? We're off to a good start. The offense is clicking. They shut out LIU, and they put up 50 points on, on UMass last weekend. So they're playing with some confidence. Um, I think that the biggest challenge for them is going to be sustaining the major body blows that Ohio State delivered Arkansas State last week. And those are the very quick three-play, 70-yard scoring drives because C.J. throws a ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. that was just dropped out of the sky perfectly. Or Marvin goes and high points ball over two defenders, and you're like, well, I don't know how you defend that because that doesn't look defensible. Um, what, you know, I, I know you didn't really see a whole lot from LIU that was going to show, you know, much of Toledo's true colors. But who are the guys on on Toledo's defense in your mind that were that were really gritty, that look like the kinds of guys that when their backs are against the wall, that they can get everybody in the right place lined up and still try to make good plays. Yeah, well, Dallas Gantt certainly is going to be a huge piece of this defense because of his ability to run and, and just identify plays and get there. So, you know, if you go through the levels, Deontay Johnson also at linebacker, I, I think those two need to have a big game. All four of those guys I mentioned up front, Hines, Culpepper, Deswan Johnson, Kayvon Butler, and Terrence Taylor. Like that, that there's certain things that, that you can't game plan for. If you're Toledo, you just mentioned them. You can't game plan for C.J. Stroud dropping dimes into one of the best wide receivers' hands in college football and Marvin Harrison Jr. There's, they're, they're going to make plays that it doesn't matter what you do. And this isn't even about Toledo. It's about every team on the schedule. They're going to get theirs, meaning the Buckeyes and their passing game. And then you look at the two running backs that they can roll out there and you know, frankly, Toledo doesn't have running backs like that. With all due respect to the Rockets, and I've got a lot of it, but, you know, Mayan Williams is – that's a Buckeye-level player, and, and he's showing that. So you, I love the word you use, the adjective grit. Like, they're going to have to have grit. And when you bring up that, you Nate Bauer from Hoban, as you mentioned earlier, he's going to have to come up and run support with Zach Ford, Max, and Hook, the, the three defensive backs back there, because this is not – this is not going to be a typical defensive scheme when you stop the run. The eyes have to be in the backfield, and as soon as they see run, they have to come up. It's got to be that cliche 11 hats to the football if you're the Toledo Rockets. With an understanding, Brendan, that, you know, um, I did a game for uh, Florida Atlantic a couple weeks ago with Willie Taggart, who college football fans should be well aware of who Willie Taggart was, Florida State, Oregon, et cetera, as a head coach. And believe it or not, he's only 46 years old, which blew my blew my uh, <laughs> mind because um, he was Willie Taggart was the flavor of the month. He was the offensive genius in college football. But he he mentioned that his the motto for Florida Atlantic this year is so what now what? And I oh, love that. it stuck with me because he and, and Willie's such a high energy guy. He says the other team is trying also like they're practicing their stuff. They're going to try and score and they're going to try and stop you. And when something happens that isn't necessarily the way you would script out a football game, so what? 
And now what? How are we going to handle that? And I think that's um, really a, a motto and an ideology that Toledo and anybody who wants to knock off a big time talent like Ohio State has to adopt. One And one last thing I'll say, Brendan, that you got me thinking when you said 11 years ago, so what? Um, the coaches are going to lean on all those things you started this podcast with, the App State, you know, all these recent, can you believe that happened? And say, you know, when we w- open up the newspaper tomorrow morning, we want to be that team. We want to be that. Can you believe that happened? And it's not just in the Toledo Blade or the Columbus Dispatch, because this one's going national if Toledo's able to pull it off, Brendan. Oh, no doubt about that. I uh, Honestly, man, I know it sounds silly. I, I literally have goosebumps because I'm a college football fan. Of course, I you know I, I want Ohio State to win. I enjoy covering the team, and I'm, I'm emotionally invested in them. But um, – I love college football and I love the underdog and you know, these games are fun because you get David versus Goliath and you know, Goliath wins 99.9% of the time, but sometimes you get Marshall or app state, you know, on the road at Notre Dame or at Texas A&M and, and it can happen. And that's exactly why Ryan day yesterday was frankly as as stern as he was. If you didn't catch the press conference in a couple minutes here when we wrap up, I, I super encourage you to check that out over on our uh, our YouTube channel. Um, I, I had kind of walked Ryan Day down that path pretty early on. It was like the third or fourth question of the press conference and basically said, look, you guys know what's happened in college football here. And I asked him, how happy are you with the attention, the level of attention to detail in your preparation as you get ready for teams that may not be the biggest teams on your schedule, but recognizing what's happened elsewhere throughout the country, you know, do you feel like you guys are are doing everything that's required to make sure that doesn't happen to you? And he was very quickly, he's like, look, I'm I'm really critical and I don't really care who we're playing. It's no offense to who we're playing. We need to be focused on us. And and he made a, an interesting analogy. I didn't think he was going this route, but he said, look, if you go, you go watch a, a world-class pianist and you want to see that person perform at a at, because they're world-class, all of the other things that could go wrong, you don't really care about. You just want to hear and see a good show. Um, and he said, We are trying to be the best football team in America every single week, and we need to prepare for it like that. Uh, and so I, I don't think they're going to be looking past Toledo. That doesn't have any indication of what the score is going to be. I'm not saying the Buckeyes are going to cover the spread or not. I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be a tight game or a blowout. Um, but I, I do think the level of focus is heightened a little bit, probably as it is for other big programs, because sometimes the easiest lessons to learn are the ones that your, you know, your, your counterparts struggled with. Uh, and so Ohio State certainly knows what can happen if, if they don't play well on Saturday. A um, couple more minutes with Ryan Cavanaugh. Let's ask about special teams here. You know, I said it early in the week last week. Ohio State really doesn't have uh, many special teams touchdowns in almost a decade. Uh, I, don't, I think it's been 2014 since they last returned a punt for a touchdown and maybe a few years longer for a kick. Um I said early in the week last week, I thought Ohio State was going to score on special teams, which felt a little bit bold, uh, but I really didn't love what I saw from Arkansas State's special teams unit. When you saw Toledo either kick off 
punt coverage, field goals, extra points, et cetera. Did anything stand out to you that made you think they were a vulnerable group? You know, not in their coverage. In fact, their coverage unit, again, you know, let's take this with a grain of salt. This was only, I think this is year three um, at the FCS level for Long Island. So, you know, they're they're not just an FCS school. They're an FCS school that's trying to find their way. And when you talk about the transfer portal, I mean, there was a tremendous amount of players. Listen, when they showed up to the game and they put their uniforms on and they had name tags, I wasn't sure what, why they did that, but um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That, that was a, I, actually, you know, their, their head coach, Ron Cooper, has been everywhere. Last year, he coached with Nick Saban. He's coached with Spurrier. He's coached, I mean, Mac Brown. He, two tours of duty with Lou Holtz. I mean, Ron Cooper knows everybody. So while I'm tongue-in-cheek joking about that, what that experience gives him is access to so many different big time college programs where you go and you say, Hey, who's your Dallas Gantt? Who, who's your Justin Hilliard? And maybe that's unfair of Justin Hilliard, but you know, a guy who, you know, hasn't found maybe the experience hasn't been what he thought it was going to be. And I covered Justin Hilliard in high school. He's as good as any linebacker I saw at that level, but, and, and I think he ended up starting for a year or so, but yeah, he did after he finally got healthy. Okay, so you know what I'm saying. There's those people that, for whatever reason, they're not seeing the field. Yep. And LIU has a lot of those guys. You know, just a, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, LIU. I'm talking too much about them. But so that being said, um, Toledo. There's nothing I saw, Brendan, to answer your question. There's nothing I saw that said they're susceptible to a big return. Now, conversely, Devin Maddox, who we talked about, the game-breaking speed whether he's back on punt returns will tell us a lot about his health. I think that's something for Buckeye fans to look at is number eight back returning punts. The first time if Toledo is able to make Ohio state punt, does Devin Maddox go back? Because again, he's the guy that has the game breaking speed. Um, and he's really the guy who can hurt Ohio state in the special teams game. Let's wrap with, with a, an Ohio state centric thought. You know, we've talked about kind of the different position groups and a few guys at each level for Toledo. You know, look, Ohio State has shown a propensity to want to throw the football. Ryan Day loves to air it out. I think he's tried to, to be a little bit more balanced this year with the running game the first couple of weeks. Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams have been really, really good playing off of each other. Uh, but CJ certainly likes to chuck the football down the field. He's already over 5,000 career passing yards for a guy that didn't throw a pass in college. Uh, until 15 games ago. Um, what's the game plan for Ohio State, in your opinion? When you look at what Toledo brings to the table, how do you think the Buckeyes, both sides of the ball, are trying to game plan for this week? Yeah, well, offense, well, we could start with the defense of Ohio State. They got to get after the quarterback. Like I said, I'm not, they have a lot of running backs that are going to get better, that running back by committee. As the season for Toledo goes on, I think people will settle into their roles. Maybe it's Penny Boone who continues getting the lion's share of the carries. But right now there's some uncertainty. And Daquan Finn is a real – he has the propensity to hurt you from the quarterback position. So I think they're going to pressure him and try and get the football out of his hands. Um, that's really – pressure. Defenses is pressure. And then offensively, you know, it's, it's hard, Brendan, to get – like you mentioned, Henderson and Williams are running so well. They could just continue to pound the football, but 
somewhere down the line in this season, that's not going to be the best game plan. I know oftentimes offensive coordinators try to get too cute and they get away from what's working. But Ohio State knows at some point we're going to need the passing attack. We're going to have to be balanced throughout the season. This could be a great opportunity given the strength of Toledo's defenses in the front six or seven. This could be a great opportunity to see what they have on the edges and the outsides and let C.J. Stroud have a big day. And that's, I mean, everybody on Ohio State, you know, has David and Goliath is fair. And that says more about who Ohio State is and who Toledo is. Because in this one, Goliath's like, you know, 15 foot tall. And and there's only a couple other teams in college football that are over 10 foot tall. So. You know, that's more about an Ohio State thing. But, hey, I know we're going to bounce here, but I want to know, how's my guy Chip Trainum doing? Is he – I haven't been able to uh, see what what type of production he has. Uh, not a ton of production yet, and I think there's a lot of people that are waiting to see him. Um, he, he's he been returning kicks uh, last week, but he didn't – I actually don't think he uh, took one out of the end zone. Uh, but he was back deep on kickoff return. Um, Ohio State starting linebackers, you know, Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers have been really good. And, and Cody Simon is kind of, you know, in and out along with Steele. Chip Trainum seems to be the guy right there that's that's next. Um, I, I've said several times throughout the course of the year, I hope he gets on the field soon because he was truly one of the most overpowering high school football players in the state of Ohio I've ever seen. And it didn't matter if he was playing linebacker or if he was playing running back. He was literally – too much to handle for every team they played against. What, what did Archbishop Hoban win? Like 40 or 50 games in a row? I mean, they, they went to the state title like four or five straight years. Yeah, I think – and, and you know, you mentioned Nate Bauer. I was like, I think he won three state championships with Hoban and might have lost a fourth. But I just remember in high school, Coach Tim Tyrell, who coached Trainum, said when we blitz him, we line him up at eight yards. <laughs> because he's he's too fast and if he's at four he's getting there way too soon so the tell on when Trainum was coming was when he was eight yards back <laughs> because he was so fast and you know the, the real question was is he better on offense or defense and I think what's most interesting is he went to Arizona State and he was a running back yep um and now he's at Ohio State as a linebacker and again leaning on the comments of Tim Turell going back to when Chip was in high school he's like where where where's he playing at the next level? He goes Ryan. He plays on Sundays at running back or linebacker. Yeah, and I still think that's true. It's he, he is know. he is wildly athletic. He's super super talented. I, the Buckeyes actually have repped him as a super emergency running back because you've got Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, and right now Evan Pryor is. I'm not sure how closely you followed this, but Evan Pryor is out for the season. He would have been Ohio State's third running back. And so true freshman Dallin Hayden, who was very highly recruited, um, he's kind of slotted into that third running back spot. He actually played late last week. The coaching staff loves him, uh, but they have given uh, Trainum a few times during practice and, and earlier in camp just a few chances to, to rep at running back in case some crazy emergency happens and they need him back there. Uh, but the, it seems like the plan is to play him more at linebacker, but they obviously like his athleticism enough to put him at, at kickoff return. How many college football teams in America have a linebacker 
that's returning kicks. That's what I want to know. It can't be uh, many. <laughs> you, do you know? Well, you know how many come to mind? None. Yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, I, do you know who he reminds me of um, from his high school into the into college? Uh, and your, your Buckeye, uh, you know, the listeners will all like this, is Darren Lee. Yeah. I Darren like Lee. Comparison. Yeah. Well, he, he was a quarterback at New Albany, um, <laughs> nicknamed Superman. And then he goes and he linebacker and he could have returned kicks. Sure. First round draft pick 20th overall by the jets. He was still in a practice. Uh, so he did about six years in the league last year. I think he was on a, uh, with the, the Raiders. I don't know if he, he stuck with, he's still bouncing around a little bit, but that's, that's exactly what I think with chip chip, I think is bigger, but both of them could play on either side of the ball at that level and have success. You know, it's funny. I, I totally overlooked the fact that, you know, for just for a moment here that Chip is the the running back turned linebacker. Uh, and obviously he's not even the only one in his position group to do that. Steel Chambers came to Ohio State as a running back. And frankly, I, I love the way he ran the football a couple years ago. They moved him to linebacker and now he's developed to the point where he's a, a starting linebacker. I think it would be hilarious if if one game this season, just for fun, the Buckeyes put Chambers and Trainum back to return kicks just for, I don't know if it's a photo op or what, but the idea of like, Hey, uh, we're, we're going to have two linebackers return a kick and uh, you know, <laughs> kind of flex yeah, on it that way. Deal with it. Yeah. Funny. I think that's a cool idea. You might be in the history books is like the first ever division one college team to have two <laughs> linebackers deep. <laughs> the problem is, you know, you're, you're ignoring uh, several other guys who might be slightly more, well practiced, I guess at that. Yeah. Uh, a Buka could certainly do it. Marvin Harrison could do it. Um, but yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. I hope we get a chance to see Trainum uh, get the ball in his hands. He made the first tackle of the year. Chip was on kickoff coverage when Ohio State opened the game against Notre Dame, and I don't know why Notre Dame tried to return the kick the way they did, but uh, Trainum tackled the guy right around the ten or twelve yard line, if I remember. Um, just absolutely flew down the the west sideline of the stadium and and made the first stop, and it was kind of like, hey, welcome to welcome to Buckeye Nation. Chip training, he goes out and makes a play right away. So that was yeah. that was memorable. I, just from following him in high school, I you know I know what level of talent he is, and and maybe this is a cautionary tale to to talent across the country where you are like you're one of one <laughs> at certain points in your life. And then you realize, wait a minute, where did these guys come from? Yeah. And why do why do they look, run, tackle, hit uh, just like me? I was one of one. But um, you know, that's I coach my young my my kids, and and you know, when parents are like, "Oh, my kid's really good," I said, "Yeah, I, I bet he is." Do you know what else is out there though? Like <laughs> Chip Trainum's out there somewhere. You know. And one other co- comment I have to make. Um, is steel cha- steel chambers he only had one uh he had one choice he could either uh stay at running back and change his name or become a linebacker i was gonna of- say it's the best linebacker name <laughs> in America for sure for yeah. sure hey i know this has been a toledo focused podcast but um right before we jumped on you shared a really cool story with me that i think our our viewers are gonna love and it gives me a chance to plug this too uh i i had a Silly, cool, unbelievable opportunity on Monday this week uh, to play in the Pro Football Hall of Fame golf outing at Firestone Country Club. And I I played 18 holes with Orlando Pace. Um, 
he is as cool a guy as you would hope. He he is he's doing really well. He's still a mountain of a human being. Uh, and then when we finished up after we were done playing, we went back to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and and we sat down on camera for about 25 minutes and recorded a podcast. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, uh, he was super entertaining and and talked quite a bit about his Ohio roots, how proud he is to be from Sandusky, how proud he is to be a Buckeye. Uh, we talked about his NFL you know playing career, the Super Bowl. Uh, and ultimately ending in Canton. It was an awesome conversation. I, I think you guys would really enjoy it. So check that out on our YouTube channel or or wherever you'd like to find your favorite podcasts. But Ryan, you and I talked about that right before we started the show. And you told me a story about roughly the time when Orlando was in high school that I, I really got a kick out of. I think other people would too. Yeah. So I'll give you the, the real quick short version is let's go back. It's about 1995. Um, I was a freshman in college and I would throughout high school and then college, I would work these quarterback camps in the Detroit area for Brother Rice, their head coach, Al Fracasa, who was a former Michigan State quarterback. And me and my brothers would be counselors, along with other guys like Jim Miller from the from uh, the Chicago Bears. He was a counselor there. So I got to work with some pretty high-level quarterbacks. And Coach Fracasa was the head coach of Brother Rice. And back then, so this is for all the kids watching, there was no, nothing like huddle. In fact, you'd get an F if you spelled huddle because it's spelled wrong. Uh, there was no film exchange. You had to actually drive. So when Brother Rice was playing a team in Ohio, you had to drive. And that was rare. You didn't play teams from other states. It's not like now where St. Ed's is playing a team from Colorado this week and Florida next week. It wasn't like that. You stayed in your lane and you stayed where you were. So Coach Fercasa was talking to the campers, and it was more of a stream of consciousness coming out of his his mind. And he said, we are playing a team from Sandusky, Ohio this week. And they have a player who's six foot five and 300 pounds. His name is Orlando Pace. And I don't know how we're going to block him. And, <laughs> and, and as a freshman in high school, in college, my mind was blown because I'm like six, five, three thirty in high school. You know, now being on high school fields, that's actually more commonplace. But back then, when you talk about one of one, Orlando Pace truly was ahead of his time due to his size and athleticism. He was a great basketball player as well. So, um, yeah, I, I never forgot the name Ohio, Orlando Pace because of that moment. He uh, he was pretty hard to block no matter what level it was. And uh, I, I know he, um, he thoroughly enjoyed, you know, his time in St. Louis. In fact, he still lives in St. Louis. Uh, and, and I, we had a chance to talk a little bit about, you know, playing for the greatest show on turf. And, um, he, he spoke so highly of the guys that he played with on that team, uh, a really cool conversation, but, uh, yeah, one of, one of one and one of roughly 300 to be enshrined in the pro football hall of fame in Canton. Uh, actually Orlando and I wrapped our conversation with a really cool, uh, perspective, on what he thinks his responsibility is to protect the history of the game and to foster the growth of the game moving forward. Um, the guys that are enshrined in Canton have, have quite a responsibility uh, and he takes that pretty seriously. So please go check that out. I think you'd really like it. Ryan, this was a great conversation about the Toledo Rockets. Uh, the Buckeyes are, are favored by 32 points this week. I think the over-under is right around 60 or 61 uh, I think, you know, Ohio State feels pretty good about the way the offense played in week two, and they're hopeful that week three will feature Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming as long as they're 100% healthy. But uh, we're, we're, we're 
certainly happy to get the perspective of somebody who's uh, covered Toledo and better on their program earlier this year. So thanks for spending a little time with us and uh, we appreciate your insight. Anytime, my friend, thanks for having me. And uh, I'm going to go check out your interview with Orlando Pace right now. Thanks, brother. All right. Buckeye Breakdown available wherever you like to get your favorite podcast. Thanks for joining us live, though, this morning as well. You can support the show by subscribing to our YouTube channel and uh, hit the notification bell so that you know when we go live. We had a great audience this morning, over 60 people at one point uh, talking Ohio State versus Toledo. So thanks for jumping on. And uh, for all the latest on Ohio State football, head over to BuckeyesNow.com. For Ryan Cavanaugh, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll see you soon.